G'day and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are in a series called How Did We Get Here? And it's really about looking back to the early church and then comparing to other times in history and going, how, when we started like that, did we get here? And in particular, we're looking at the last 504 years or thereabouts and some of the key moments and um, why they matter to the global church today. Hope it helps. primary school age children younger than that are welcome as well but just to be accompanied by someone who can be responsible for them Um, let's just take a moment to pray Um, and let's all get involved in this prayer time so let's pray for the kids as they head out um, and anyone else that comes to mind Uh, whether they're here whether they're not here let's just take a moment uh, to pray for whatever God has laid on our hearts it may be a nation it may be as, as small as a, a detail about your past week or upcoming week, but let's spend some time. Feel free to pray out loud or in your head, um, but let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for our kids and we bless them today. We bless Christy as she leads. We ask that this would be a time where, as they do, open the Bible together. Uh, We ask that this would be a time where they are engaging directly with you. I pray that you would speak to them, you would speak through them. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to do that with each of these young people and that they would know you and walk with you. In Jesus' name. We ask that you would lead us and you would guide us. I pray that our time together this afternoon would be rich. I ask that we would hear you and we would obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you guys to take a seat and thank you so much to our worship team. We're going to sing a couple more songs a little bit later, but how blessed are we? It's so good. Um, invite you to, to grab a Bible, to feel free grab your phone or there's a bunch that are here in the aisle Um, if you've got really good eyesight I recommend the leather Um, if your eyesight is not that amazing then the hardcover definitely a better option definitely a larger print Um, we have been looking at um, Acts the last couple of weeks and we're in the middle of a series called how did we get here and essentially it's looking at some stuff in the church Um, over the past couple of thousand years and asking that question, if we started the way we started, how did we get to a point where we thought this was okay in the church? And there's been many of those. 
Um, but we need to understand as well that God has always had a remnant. There have always been the faithful ones who have walked with him, who have done his will, heard his voice and put it into practice. Um, today we're going to do things a little bit different in that we're going to have a look at Acts chapter 4 together. So if you can be opening up to Acts chapter 4. Um, and then we're going to spend some time um, in twos or in threes and we're going to go through what we call the Discovery Bible Method together. Um, and so this is a chance just to, to sit with the Scripture because uh, one of the things we looked at two weeks ago, in fact we've hit it up each of the last two weeks, has been the, the Reformation. And one of the key things around the Reformation from 500 years ago was that suddenly the Bible wasn't just in this dead language of Latin but it was in the language of the people. All of a sudden, people could actually access the Word of God for themselves. And it is an amazing, game-changing reality when you don't have to go through somebody else in order to hear God, but you can hear Him directly. And we all get to hear God directly. We have the same Holy Spirit who inspired the Scriptures, who lives in us to help us understand and apply the scriptures to our lives. And so let's spend some time today um, making the most of that. So we'll read through Acts chapter 4, and then I'll explain how it's going to work after that. Some of you are fairly familiar with this process, um, but we've got a slide to help make it really easy for everybody, which we'll get to a bit later. So Acts chapter 4. So at this point, um, Peter and John... Um, at the start of chapter 3, they were walking along, just a day in the life of the disciples, walking along, a man who had yet to take his first steps, who we find out in chapter 4, is actually over 40 years old. He's never walked in his life. And Peter and John are involved in the miracle that saw him walk for the first time. He walked, he leapt, um, and he praised God. Um, and then Peter sees that there's a, a congregation or a crowd that's gathered, and so he tells them about Jesus. Um, and as he did in chapter 2, he makes it very clear that Jesus, whom they killed, um, was raised to life by God. And he is the reason that this amazing miracle happened. They asked this, Peter asked this question, why do you look at us as though by our power or godliness we have made this man walk? It is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob who has glorified his servant Jesus. It's by his name, by faith in his name, that this man um, can walk. So anyway, he's preached this sermon. He doesn't even really get to the end of it, and they are interrupted, as we see here in Acts chapter 4. While they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them, because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So we heard a couple of chapters ago that they went from being, well, chapter 1 tells us there was 120 gathered in the upper room. 120, that was it. So this is 50 days after Jesus uh, had died and resurrected. He'd already gone up to be with the Father there was 120 of them, and that grew. They had 3,000 that were baptized on this one day, on the first day of the church, and now that number grows. So 
Some translations say people. This translation says men. We don't know if it's 5,000 men, 5,000 people, but it's certainly grown a lot from 120 just a few days, a little while prior. All right, verse 5. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Peter keeps his record intact. He has made the accusation against his listeners once again, as he does every time, that you killed Jesus. And it's God who raised him up. Doesn't mind stirring the pot. Verse 13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. How good's that? Uneducated, ordinary men. But they recognized they had been with Jesus. Verse 14, And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. How ridiculous a statement is that, particularly when you have what follows. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John walked away with their tail between their legs, never to preach the gospel again. Absolutely not. Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they complained together, how could they do this? I can't believe how evil the Sanhedrin is. How could they make things so hard on our brother Peter and our brother John? It's so unfair, Lord. Would you just smite those really bad people right now in Jesus' name? Fortunately, that is not what happened. Fortunately, when they heard this, verse 24, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, 
By the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had, destined, had predestined to take place. Verse 29 contains the only thing they really say for their own protection. Verse 29, And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. What got them into trouble in the first place? Speaking the word with boldness. Now, grant that we can speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It was a combination of God doing miracles and them speaking boldly about those miracles that got them in trouble in the first place. And they're saying, we want more boldness and we want more miracles. These guys are not afraid, not ashamed. They are going hard. And it is all for the glory of God. They had a chance to say, just to bask in the glory of being the ones through whom the miracle was done. But don't look at us as though through our power or our godliness. That's not what it's about. Verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. About time they spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need." Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, was, sorry, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Thus concludeth a day in the life of the early church. So again, you have a specific story that's being told and it's told chapter 3 and into chapter 4 and then you have the general comment at the end. This is the vibe. This was going on at that time. Um, well, it's actually two days in the life because they had a night, an overnight in jail in between. But that's a pretty interesting couple of days. Bring it on, Lord. Lord, we want to see more of this in our own lives. We don't want to shirk the issue. We want your boldness. We want you to stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders not for our glory, but for yours. And we want to speak your word with all boldness. Lord, we want to love people the way that you do. Not about getting more people into this building, not about what it might do for us. This is about your glory and the good of others. Lord, I pray that we would see more people more like Jesus, more people a part of your kingdom, who are not just delighted at the reality they get to spend eternity with you, but also making a difference 
right here and now. Lord, have your way in us. Open our eyes to the things that you are already doing, that we would get on board with you and your mission in this world. Hallelujah and amen. So what we're going to do is we've got 37 verses in that chapter. And I encourage you to pick a chunk that is between like 5 and 10 verses long. So the headings that I've got in here, there's, there's no chunk which is longer than uh, that. I think the longest is 10 verses or 9 verses even. And the idea of this is you have a read through, Riley, if you wouldn't mind putting up that slide now, please. Um, so essentially this, this process could be summarised as A, B, C. So A is just ask. How have you gone with a recent challenge that you have set for yourself regarding um, your faith? That's A. B, we engage with the scriptures. And then C, we set a new challenge for ourselves based on what we've just read. This is just very simple, basic discipleship where we read the scriptures with the intent to put it into practice. We take the time to not only read it, but to actually get to the point where we can retell it. So the way it works is you'll pick a chunk along with somebody else, and then you'll read that through twice out loud. And it's a good idea when you've read it through the first time out loud, just take a bit of time to read it through silently yourself, and then read it through a second time out loud. And it might be that you take it in turns. So one person reads it the first time, second person reads it the other time. It doesn't have to be that way, but read it out loud twice. You get to the end of the second time reading it out loud, close the Bibles or put your phone away, and then you try and recount as much detail as possible about the chunk that you just read. It's not a test where one person's testing the other with an open and I'm like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, you're doing horrible. You're together trying to recount as much detail as possible. And then once you've done that, you open the Bible back up and silently just spend a bit of time looking at it again. And what are the things that you missed? What were the things that you remembered uh, from that passage? And then you're asking yourselves those questions. So what stands out to you? What will you do about it? That's a really important question. It's not just what stands out, what's interesting, but what are you going to do about it today, tomorrow, this week? How are you going to put this into practice? And then who are you going to tell about this? And yes, it's really tempting to say, I just told you about it. <laughs> Somebody that's, that you're not talking to right in this moment. So it might be your child because the kids, not, oh no, actually right now, some of those kids, I reckon they're doing this exact same process uh, with, a, with a different passage at the moment where our kids are doing the same thing, where they are reading the scriptures with the purpose of putting it into action. So we, um, in doing this, I find it so easy to read a passage and get to the end of that passage and be like, oh, 
what did I just read? Or you get to, you know, you read a page four times and each time you're like, oh, what did I read? But there's something about knowing that you're going to have to actually do something about it and retell it that helps to focus your attention a lot more on it. Um, And we'll often ask that question of what stands out to you? What's God saying to you when you read a passage? And then you kind of ignore everything else. It's just the one thing that stands out. When you recount everything, you can't really do that. You're taking time to sit with all of it. Once you've recounted everything, then you're asking that question. What's standing out? What's God highlighting? What are you going to do about it? And who can you tell? Who can 